Hello, everybody. Welcome to a new edition of Beyond the Pitch for 2022. I'm Christian Jack. Now, if you like athletes who are forthright and honest and direct and tell you exactly how they feel all the time, you're going to love this episode. My guest this week, ahead of another major international window for the Canadian men's national team, is none other than defender Daniil Henry, a man that I've known for pretty much about 10 years since he was a teenager to now being into a player who's 28 years old and now gotten a chance with RSL in MLS. I spoke to Daniil last week, days before joining up with MLS team on trial and also days before joining the Canadian team in the men's national team camp this week for their games against Honduras, the United States, and of course, the trip to El Salvador. What follows is a fascinating discussion, a really insightful discussion with Daniil about the honesty about becoming a better player, the camaraderie inside the brotherhood, inside the men's national team, some real open and honest discussions that he's had with John Herbert when John Herbert told him he cannot act that way anymore, the ability to respond better to that and to understand his time, that he needs to be better and more positive around the men's national team. He also talks about forthright time in Korea, where he spent two years of culture change there, how different it was and some of the sacrifices that he had to pay when he came back to play for the men's national team. We touch on his time in Europe. And of course, we talk about that moment. You know, you guessed it, that one in the corner there against Panama, where it was captured, where he would not move to let them take a corner kick. And eventually the melee that exploded out of that. And Daniil's insights into that are again, Absolutely fascinating. There's a guest appearance from Daniil's dog, Rocco. He joins us for about a minute, but don't worry. He soon goes back to sleep and let Daniil take over the story. I really hope you enjoy this as it continues our series on Beyond the Pitch with many of the Canadian men's national team. Here is my chat this week with Daniil Henry. Daniil, always a pleasure, my man. Great to see your face. Uh, We're speaking in a cold January Canadian winter. You are back here from Korea and you're getting ready to go play for Canada again. How are you feeling? Um, feeling good, feeling healthy, mind's clear. Um, weird one, though, we have three important games coming up in this January window, coming in from our off-season, short off-season, especially knowing how important 2022 is going to be. So, um, enjoying myself, but not too much, and staying fit and staying ready. Yeah, being ready is one, a very important part of it. We're going to get into your career and going to get into that shortly, but, uh, you mentioned it there, three massive games. You're going to go to Honduras. You're going to come back to play the U.S. And then you go to El Salvador. What's the mindset? What's the group chat like? What are you guys all talking about heading into this, this three-match three window? Yeah, in the group chat, to be fair, it's it been pretty quiet since um, New Year's and um, Christmas where we all just wish each other the best. And just honestly, just a couple of us saying, like, guys, like, <laughs> you guys really don't need reminders, but we know what's in front of us. So, um at this point in time, not to do too much, but stay focused, stay sharp. We're that close. So we got to stay perfect. we got to stay, stay really dialed in and know that when we get into camp, um, we can hit off where we, where we finished off on a positive note in Azteca. Yeah, we'll get into Azteca with you as well. When you get into camp, what's that like? You know, you got a smile on your face already. It seems like, I mean, I know the Band of Brothers has been thrown around. You guys have grown up together for a long time, but it's true, right? It's real. There's just so much camaraderie that's natural. Yeah, it's real, and especially for me, being so far away and then my commute and my travel um, when I was in Korea, um, the national team honestly gave me a sense of, like, urgency and, like, um, motivation to continue to go. Um, sometimes it was very difficult for me in Korea to enjoy my football, um, but um, what kept me going was knowing that I was with a bunch of guys who really believed in something, who fought for each other, um, and, and we won games. Um, it was something that we really built over the years 
this team camaraderie and and it's something that uh, I think everybody believes in. You know, from the the players to the staff to the kit man to the to the guys who get sales and tickets done um and for all of the stuff who have to do all the things that we don't even know goes on as footballers but everybody's dialed in it's a it's a very special um, exciting time so our responsibility is that much more important and knowing um that um the nation is behind us so we, and we have to deliver you mentioned Korea there let's get right into it you've done two seasons there uh you're not going back um, but one thing I loved about you, Daniil, is that you're always open and honest. You've had a lot of highs in football, but you've had a lot of lows as well, right? Like, what was that like as a human being? I remember you and I did an interview when you were first there, and you were one of the first leagues back to come back after the initial COVID, and you were quite yeah. positive about it. But I know it, it got a lot harder for you. What was that like as a Canadian out there? I dealt with five quarantine periods, um, coming back and not getting an exemption, so... When camps happened and my teammates went straight back to getting on the pitch and playing, I had to do two weeks inside, um, multiple COVID tests, um, a culture, cultural difference in in how we approach games and everything, and not having not being allowed or it's not really accepted to be as vocal as I am. But at a certain point, I didn't I didn't care. I wanted to continue to be myself because I felt like I wasn't true to myself. And a point of where I I gave Korea well like I gave Korea everything that I could and I gave them myself, um. But it became hard, <laughs> and and uh, probably a lot of guys can touch it when you when you play for such an organized national team and then you go back to your club team and see how unorganized it can be. Sometimes it can be a stressful or frustrating. Um, and uh, I think that, that carried on to a little bit of my frustrations. But um, besides that, um. It was a it was a good experience. Um, I met some amazing people and stuff. But um, besides that, it, it, I just knew that it was my time and playing and doing all those traveling and holidays. It, it had to be done. Um, knowing how important twenty twenty two would be, I had a lot of games or twenty four hour travel days and connecting flights. And I said, um, getting back on time zone and stuff, I was getting miserable and it was just hard on the body. So I, I couldn't do it no more. I think your dog was feeling your sympathy there as well a little bit. <laughs> he was hearing you. Rocco, you black. Our cycles, so they just, from time to time, they, they go crazy. That's okay. Rocco, the dog, was hearing your sympathies there, no doubt, uh, pouring his heart out for, for your time in Korea. But um, as I said, you know, you, you're, you've, been, you've been to Europe, you've been to England, you've had big still, you know, stints there. I remember when you went to Blackburn and then you got injured you had a great time there and you were flying at that moment and then you go obviously you get hurt and you don't get to play anymore what do you learn about yourself Daniel because you've been around a long time but you're still only 28 what do you learn about your time when you're in those moments when I'm sure in the lowest moments it's really difficult emotionally emotionally you have to take this game um I think at that point in my career I did a lot of goal setting and where I would be and what I would be doing and when I didn't get to those goals it really was frustrating it put me down um, it was a depressing time. Um, what keeps me still going is knowing that when I got to play, I did really well. It was my injuries that hampered me. So um, obviously my best thing in England would probably be at Blackburn, where I was a part of the team right away from the jump. I had man of the match performances, played really well, um, was thriving to be fair, and then boom, hamstring, and then one injury after the other. I was golden and never had an injury until I left TFC. Mm. Um, and that was a lot of growing pain for me. Um, being alone, homesick, 
um, maturing, understanding the style of play, how fast it can be. And the championship game is a very, very demanding league. You play two games in a week, high intensity football, very direct, but also very, it's changing, it's very technical and a lot of good players in that league. So week in, week out, probably one of the, probably one of the, the most challenging leagues that I've played in and, and know what it's about. But besides that, um, I keep growing into the stand of becoming a professional that is not selfish and wants to help the younger players and let them feel comfortable and more comfortable as possible. So I never really had that besides Stephen Caldwell or Ryan Nelson as coaches who played my position, who didn't see me as competition, but seen me as a talent and then wanted to help me get better. So I'm very thankful to guys like Stephen, Ryan Nelson, um, a couple other guys, um, but those two especially, like, really put their arm around me when a lot of other guys had the opportunity to, but really didn't give me that. Um, and then, obviously, I have Julian de Guzman. I have probably one of the best Canadian mentors in the game. Um, didn't have to play my position, but knew the game like no other. Um, seen it, the best advice. And when you have guys like that, you have a Tiba. Um, when you have problems in football, and you can have guys who you can fully trust in and know that they're not going to, turn it around on you or three and guys who can really put you, take you to the side and check you when you need to be checked and tell you when you're wrong. Like I, I've been blessed, but um, when I talk about that, those are the guys who I really want to imprint my game off of. Cause obviously the game's going to give me what it's going to give me and what's mine. is always going to be mine. So why can't I help the youngers who actually look up to me or see me as a positive influence? Um, it doesn't stop anything that's happening my way, but I know that, if I can help them get confident quicker and let them know that they're going to be free to do whatever they want to do and I'm going to back them and no one's going to play with them when they're on the pitch. Why not? And we got the most fearful, fearless youngsters in the Canadian national team. And um, that brings joy to me, knowing that I'm around that kind of crop of players that are not scared to show what they have and what they can bring. And they know that when they go on the pitch, they, they can do whatever they want because they know that there's guys who are not going to take shit from nobody. What I like about you and what players always say about you is that you're direct. As I said before, you're just going to tell it like it is. And that's a lot of players love that, right, at that level. Is there certain ones that you're close to than others in the Canadian men's national team who you've you grown up with and who you always kind of hang out with when you get into camp? Yeah, like, um, to be fair, like, defending is my passion. So just directly off the bat, they're going to be around like Kamal, DC, Richie, um, even guys who are like Ashton, like this, me and Ashton, we did this whole football journey together through the academy. Um, me and also have been friends. I can't even tell you, like we used to drive together to the training grounds all to, he had days, I had days, but we've all been together. Also, we're also one of those guys who are, a lot of guys think also is quiet but also is very, very direct in how he approaches. A lot of people might not like the way Oso comes off, but that's just him. And and you have to respect it. You know, I mean, these are guys who take winning to another level, want to win, are very passionate about the game. Um, but no, guys like Kamal, Mac. Mac is also another one who, who was even developed into a top, top player. But that comes from confidence, you know what I mean? And he speaks his mind. Like, mm. And that's what uh, that, uh, I like that John, he's implementing. Like, guys don't hold their tongue. Like, 
we speak our mind and we find a respectful ground on where we can respect everything that goes on. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, we're all here for one reason and it's to win and to make sure that this country gets to the next level. So pride and all those things we put aside, but we say, well, it needs to be done to get better. Fair enough. Those are not aware. Mac is Mark Anthony K. I'm sure most people figured, figured that out, but I know some people wouldn't. I want to ask got, you. Everybody has a nickname, man. I love it, man. I want to ask you about uh, the Panama game at home. And you know where I'm going here. Uh, I can tell you. I already know when we won that game. All right. Tell us. I want to hear it all from your words, not mine. So, to be fair, Panama started that game really strongly. And they, they, they moved the ball really well. They trapped us and we looked kind of flat. Um. Yes, I know it's a shit disturber, but there's a key moment in that whole disruption that happened around me and not moving. If you remember, the first two people to confront, as me not even playing, confront that was Alfonso and and Tejan. Why the hell is Alfonso and Tejan going to be the first? So when you see that and the caliber of players that they are, but it tells you they really give, they really care. They really want this. I'm like, oh, they don't even know. They're going to be fatigued. Panama just played. This is their third game. They're tired. They don't even know what's coming. But when you have the young players like that who are standing up, who we don't even condone them in getting into this kind of shit, to be honest. But if they're doing it, it, it just shows you that much more passion on how much they want to win. And Fonzie scores a goal that will probably be remembering Canadian history for the rest of our lives and, and, and honoring them. Tejan, I think, scores two that game. It just shows you, even if we start slow, if we start flat, it doesn't matter. It just shows you that we've, we've, we've created this, this, this spirit that we're never out of the game. We're, we're always going to fight until the last whistle. And at home, we're a different force to reckon with. Um, away from home, we've done really well and we've been solid and we always go with a game plan and being very organized. But at home, it's like a different source of energy and fighting commitment that we know that. We're going to still be able to win games, but do it very playing attractive football. So that's also something that uh, I've noticed. I don't want to get into too much about it, but there is something symbolic about the fact that you would not move. I mean, I know that like Canadians in the past, many of them would have said, oh, yeah, I'll move for you. I'll put my hands out and let you give me as much space as you want. Right. It's it's modern day Canada, no? I've been there. I've been. I've been in a part of that generation where just like you come to Canada, you enjoy a night out in Toronto, and then you go home. You take our three points, and you go home. We're making this place a, a dreadful place to play. You come to Canada, you have to know that taking these three points, you can't even think about anything other than the game. Because first of all, we want to beat you guys mentally, psychologically, physically. We want to win in all aspects, and we want to make sure that you come here. You remember. Um. So me moving is just me showing the uh, fuck. It might be that simple or people might say I'm not a team player. Or, um, I don't care what they call me, to be honest. It doesn't bother me. I'm solid. But I'm not, you're not going to come here and enjoy your time and you're not going to get anything easy. So even if it's a three-second dispute or whatever, like if I see that it affects you, I'm going to keep doing it because that much more changes the game. And, yeah, that's just me shit disturbing and I'll never change. Uh, amen to that. Um, you've been to West Ham. You played in Europe. You've been around. You've trained against some of the best players in the world. How difficult is it? Talk to me about the talent. Tejon Buchanan, Alfonso Davies, Jonathan David. These guys you defend against in training. How tough is it? How good are these guys? It's amazing. It's funny. Sometimes, like I'm a joker too, but sometimes I've been telling Alfonso since I was at Whitecaps. After I actually seen him play for the first time, I said, "Come here. 
you never run at me at training because if you run at me, there's a possibility that I will tear my hamstring trying to chase you down. And he just laughs. But no, like all jokes aside, like being there, seeing what they have in Europe and um, knowing like, they're destined for greatness. Yeah, they're going to they're gonna relish there. And you can see it. A lot of boys are, now that the national team is doing so well, a lot of guys are, we're getting the respect. And, uh, it's not no more only about hockey. It's, it's about, wow, this Canadian national team. Wow. We just had the best year of our national team history with how many points um, we, we, we've dropped and how low we are in the rankings. And it's only going to get better because there's younger players out there um, who are Canadian who are now saying, well, I want to play for Canada or coming through the ranks and are, and are already in Europe and we don't even know. But now people want to play for us. I, I will never forget, um, was it the Panama game? Um, I get a DM from someone that I know really well, and he's like, hey, like, how do I get involved? How do I, I want to I wanna play for Canada, you know what I mean? This is, this is a guy I grew up with, E.K. Ugo, who is, like, this is E.K. saying he wants to be a part of Canada. This is not, no longer, we have to chase and beg people to play for us, because that's not what we're into anymore. We've changed the culture. Why do you want to play for us? Okay, this is a brotherhood, like, what can you bring to this shirt? Because wearing this shirt means more than just playing and selfishly about you. It's, it's it's a lot more than that. So things have to be the right fit. Things need to be done the right way. And if it's not a fit, we don't need to change too much to a machine that's that, that's working properly. So you actually went out your way to make sure that he had the right intentions before you he, he wanted to come over. Hundred percent, hundred percent. He is a good player. He's a he's a good person. Um, I've known him. He's done really well. Um. So to talk about his character and whatnot, I already knew that his head was on right. Um, but um, when it comes to like football and joining something, it's bigger than me. It's bigger than Ike. Okay, you are now sacrificing yourself for this team. Will you be able to not play or start every single game? Will you be able to change your role sometime when you want to? Because this is all the things like, yes, everybody wants to play. Um, Rightfully so. And the guys deserve to play who sometimes have to put down the shirt. It's three games in a week. Um, you can't play all the games. And some, some guys have hard conversations, but um, what are you in this for? And I think that John has done a, an amazing job with being vocal and being straight up and clear because uh, I'm also a player that needs to know why I'm not playing. Or like, I like that for myself. So a lot of a lot of guys like that or like to know or you know so it's not really passive or something like that. So no, respectfully, like it's been good. And when it makes sense, then you can agree, and then you're always going to be on board because at the end of the day, it's about that one team, one voice, and and and, and getting the win. And am I right? And it might be wrong here, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. But he's given you individual missions as he not to say you're not playing this one but you're going to play the next one for example you played against Mexico in the Gold Cup semi and you were immense for 1999 minutes again the United States game you had that game in Kansas City so is it one of those when as long as you know and you respect he comes through and he gives you that start when you know that you can respect that yeah so um even like if you don't remember I was pissed off um in the gold off uh, the gold cups are when I, I didn't play against the the U.S. in there so um, even the Gold Cup, like it was a, it was a tournament where I expected more, but um, I didn't play much. So mentally, I wasn't, I wasn't in it. But um, we had conversations, and that's why I say I respect John the most because, like, we deal with things like men. Like, we're not gonna like, 
like I can have a shit day. Like shit days, everybody has like days where they're not gonna be their hundred percent self. But like I wasn't myself. And he told me like that's you can't do this anymore. Like you can't. I, I need you at a certain level. Guys look up to you. And like I look at myself and say, yeah. Be fair, he's not wrong. I can be pissed off for a day or two, but he's expecting more out of me as one of his older and leaders in his team. So when I knew that I I was getting the U.S. game um in Nashville. Like, I was ready. Like, I already knew, like, this is my chance. Like, you know what I mean? So, it's not that John doesn't, like, he believes in his players because he wouldn't feel to you if he didn't believe him. It's just getting the opportunity and knowing that you're mentally in it and ready to play. So, um, rightfully so. Like, a lot of guys know their mission. And we know, like, if we're not going to, we know when we're not starting and stuff. Right? Because that's important, too, because it's a different type of mentality switch. Whereas, at least you knew, you can know your role you can be pissed off for that night, but then you have to be back on. You need to be focused on on making sure that when you do come on, you make a difference instead of just being down and, and sombering around. Mm, mm. Uh, you know, we don't we don't we don't tolerate that for long. Daniel, because of your experience, your candidness, I think you're one of the best people to ask for this. And also because you played the U.S. and Mexico pretty recently, and again the U.S. are coming up. Have you noticed a different vibe? from the way they're treating you, from the way that they're eager to play you and prior to when they used to play you before, that they feel like they're in more of a test here now when you get on the pitch? Teams can't play as freely as they used to play against us because um, first things first, we're going to fight and we're going to battle. So, respectfully, before you earn that right to play the attractive, beautiful pool, it's going to be it's going to be a grind. It's going to be a fight. Um, we cover space a lot quicker. Um, instead of that more defensive approach where we allow teams to come and play how they want to play at our home or wherever. We don't allow that. Um, and that's just this changing mentality. Rightfully so. The, the tactics and the information we get, we will never go into a game unprepared. We will never. So when you have that and you have that visual awareness and then you have the talent that we have and uh, the, the willing to win and, and uh, the physical capacity, we can go into any game and win it. So on the day, if everything goes right and everything is clicking, like you know, I know how hard the the staff works, um, the analysts, everything to give us the data that we need. Um, and all of that is done for us to have the opportunity to go out there and be our best selves. So mm. it's really appreciated and definitely no, it's great. Well said. What about the ice decker? What, how do you look back at that? Because obviously it was an unbelievable night for Canadian soccer. Um, how can we forget your... Uh, I don't know what to say. How do I call it the thing that you did in the first 60 seconds? Well, what, I don't even know how to describe that. But they, they, it was certainly a message sent, uh, my friend. And then obviously you didn't make it through the first half. How do you look back individually and collectively for that? Yeah, individually, I could care less. We got the three points, a massive three points. We got um, uh, all win that window. It was two games, Costa Rica, and we took six points and put us in the top of the group. Um, what made it tricky was obviously the weather condition for both teams, but we the whole lead up to that game and everything was done and executed at a level that I've never seen it done before. Um, we did things that not a lot of uh, not a lot of even professionals would be able to do or, or be able to witness or experience. Um, but um, Edmonton was special because I didn't know, I didn't even know that was the called the City of Champions or whatever. Yep. And, and the build-up and knowing the hockey 
I know nothing about hockey, but I, I was able to kind of understand um, the culture of that and the people and the fans and the supporters and having even the nation behind us. Like, it was amazing. Yes, I still have frostbite and I still can't feel my, my ring finger, but um, I would I would rightfully do it again if it means winning those type of big games and, and seeing players show up for that occasion. Um, when I when I think about myself, um, obviously not being able to, to do it because I, I threw my hamstring for like about three days after that, um, prior to that. But um, I, I told John, I'm like, if I feel good, I'll play. But if I don't feel, if I don't, I, I would never put the team in jeopardy selfishly because it's bigger than me. Um, still trusting me and going out there and then knowing for the occasion, once I felt it again, I knew that it would be in the back of my head. I just told him, get, get, get Steven ready because like, he's the right man for the job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to be my full self. So, um, of course, he trusted me with it. Um, I couldn't finish the game, but the game finished with us winning. And the boys were immense. And the guys who finished the game and the guys who started the game collectively, it was amazing. So we got the points that we needed and we look forward to January with it. Yeah, you shared a couple more with you. And again, thanks so much. This, these stories have been immense. Um, what would it mean to you uh, for this group of players and for you to make it to Qatar 2022? Can you put that into words for you and your family? A dream come true. Um, I think every any footballer that aspires to play at the top level knows that going to the World Cup is the, the most, um, the, or the highest, the highest level of, of, of football you can play. Um, representing your country is obviously an honor and, and a privilege. Um, bringing going to the World Cup and playing in the biggest tournament watched in all world sports, if I'm not mistaken, is a dream come true. No one can take that from you. Um, and doing it the way we did it, really starting from the bottom, uh, not being respected, um, how hard it is to be a, a foreigner in another country and know that you're not even respected in football. So now being someone's like, oh, like Canada's dangerous here. Like, you know, like they really think about it. They do watch our games. They do know that we have players of, of, of high quality. And to do that with guys who two, three years ago, getting a call from John, uh, spending two hours on the phone call with you, never having a coach want to know why you haven't been successful, why success hasn't, hasn't been here, what's been the problem. What's, I've never had a coach talk to me for two hours before he got the job or got the job and wanted to talk to the I'm sure he had 50 calls because the group of players was big but um he completely changed everything to see that and then through COVID and not knowing what's going to happen with how we would be able to qualify and uh, how we would do the point system or whatever um still be on zoom calls um waking up at four in the morning five in the morning to be on zoom calls because the time zone is that different but um, showing my commitment to my nation and, and, and knowing how much other work goes into it, why we weren't even playing, just keeping mentally into it and believing in something that you, you couldn't even see at a point. Now we can see it. We're six games away, but to, when we had to go to those little countries and play those games and, and grind out wins, um, we had a lot of hard games in those, in those places and um, everybody stuck with it. But what that brought was valuable game time to guys like, um, even Tejo and Alfonso, who, who, who still weren't playing um, international games as much, to now see them play against CONCACAF Giants and, and thriving. Those games were important. Those games um, helped their development. John David, 
scoring a hat trick or four goals in his debut. Like, the game that guys remember, well, I remember because I was there and I, and I seen it. And I'm like, oh, this guy is special. He's, he's a silent guy, but he's an assassin. And then you see him killing um, the League One. Like, this is what I remember seeing them grow and seeing them develop and finding their voice and finding their stride in the men's game. That's what's special to me. Fantastic stuff. You're still only 28, Daniel. You've been around a long time, but they say, you know, you can peak late as a centre-back. Do you feel like you've still got the best in front of you? I know your next move is going to be announced in the next few ga- few days or so, club-wise, but, oh, you know, way over 200 professional games now. How are you feeling about your own individual game as a defender? You need those reference points, right? You need those games played. How do you feel better now as a defender than you did two, three, four, five years ago? I feel like my younger younger Daniel um, relied on raw brute strength and using my speed and my power to get back and make these wild challenges and say sometimes that looked amazing, sometimes looked like what the hell are you doing? But um, I found like I found my maturity or, or, or my balance in um, how to be my best self. I think that my soccer IQ or intelligence just because of how many repetitions of defending and situations that I've been in that I know how to pick the best situation. Um, obviously, getting older is just getting stronger and making sure I'm working on my body the most. I think I know my body really well now and how, how I need to be, how I need to behave, how I need to act. And, and I think, obviously, just being more vocal and using my voice as my biggest tool is most important. And I think that what center backs needs to do the most is the less they talk about us, the better. I think just playing simple and just keeping it, keeping it to a minimum and just organizing and just being that leader and that support system is, is my job. And obviously when we get to have, if I'm not mistaken, we are the, have the best defense in CONCACAF when it comes to goals, goals against, et cetera. Um, that's organization, that's principle, that's looking at footage, that's looking at um, stuff with John and Jason, Stevie, uh, and, and knowing that they always talked about this defense as being a weak point of the team. I'm thinking, what makes us any difference other than what those guys make more money or what their big names in Europe and what? As a collective unit, there's no better team. There's no better team. And um, I'll stick with that comment, I'll stick with that statement until my time here is done. But, um, there's better. There's no better team or no other players that want it more than the guys in, in this in this in this red jersey. Yeah, I can feel it. I can feel the energy. I know I'd love to be your teammate. You know, you just ooze the confidence and the motivation, my man. Uh, listen, this has been wonderful. A great conversation. And hopefully, as the, the purpose of these is for our fans and viewers in this country who continue to fall in love with the sport to get to know you and get to know these personalities more and more. I can't thank you enough for sharing a side to you and the candidness, my man. And good luck for 2022. It's going to be a fantastic year. Thank you, KJ. Anytime, my brother. What a wonderful discussion with Daniel. My thanks to him again as he joins the Canadian men's national team after that discussion. Really fascinating stuff. Lots of discussions to get into. I love how he smiles when he talks about Aisteca. The E.K. Opo story was fascinating as well, where he vetted him and really wanted to know whether he would be part of that. He could just see he couldn't just see a player who would make that team better. He wanted to know whether he would fit, understanding he wasn't going to play every single minute, and really protecting that culture that Daniel has played a big part of with the with the men's Canadian national team right now as well talked about his mentors i can't believe he talked about some of those guys as well and we really, really honest discussion so again a massive thanks to daniel a reminder three games coming up live on one soccer and of course on sportsnet across canada thursday night 
a, a massive trip to San Pedro Sula in Honduras in the ninth game of World Cup qualifying. They are back in Canada on Sunday at Tim Hortons Field in Hamilton against the United States, followed by a trip to El Salvador. And that is it. Three games in very short space of time and games 9, 10 and 11 in the World Cup qualifying window. One more to come after this. If you've missed them, please check out our channel. So many other discussions with too many players to mention right now, but the likes of Jonathan Azorio, Richie Larea and others that I've discussed on this Beyond the Pitch platform, Atiba Hutchinson, Tejon Buchanan, where they've opened up to me in the past. The purpose of these discussions is for you, a nation and a world to get to know some of these players away from the pitch and show their personalities. And if you're still with me now, I can't thank you enough for sticking the whole thing through. And I hope you really enjoyed the discussion and found a new form of admiration and love for the defender, Daniil Henry. He certainly loves Canada and he certainly loves his fans as well. Thanks again for, for watching and for being along with us. Enjoy the games. God bless. Be healthy. Take care of each other. And we'll speak to you soon.